All right, chapter 8. We are, uh, let me catch you up to speed. If you're new with us, uh, and because it's been off, and uh, we had uh, all these people sharing about the in but not of series, I hope you got to hear that. They did a great job, everybody. So, Chris, I got to hear your message, so awesome, and Todd as well. I'm catch, still catching up on Eric and Manny, so if you're like, if you're new with us, look, this is, uh, sometimes you miss a Sunday, you're sick, or you're out of town, uh, you can always catch up online, so they're there, so I'm, I'm catching up with the, the services as well, um, but I thought it was a tremendous series, I'm hearing a lot of great things about it, and uh, so, but before then, we started the series of Daniel, and then we took a break, and then I was going to bring it back when I got back, so we're picking up in chapter 8 today. Uh, so I just want to catch you up to speed, maybe you just need a refresher, uh, or maybe this is your first time, you just need to catch up, and you've never really read the book of Daniel, I'll just give you a, a very quick uh, kind of footnotes version of where we are. Uh, Daniel uh, is found in kind of the time of Israel where they're, ca- they're taken captive, and so if you know anything about Israel, there's uh, obviously creation, and uh, there's the time of Egypt where, uh, you know, let my people go. You remember that? So there's, there's these moments, but there's many years, uh, they go into a time of a season of captivity, a very long season. Uh, and that's where Daniel's written. It's found in that time uh, of where Israel's living in Jerusalem, north and south, and, and Judah and Israel. Israel's known as the north, Judah's known as the south, uh, and they're dwelling in those places. And Babylon, this other nation that's outside of Jerusalem, comes in and conquers and takes them captive. Uh, the king at that time is named Nebuchadnezzar, and we read about that in Daniel chapter 1, 2, and 3. Uh, we read about Nebuchadnezzar's reign and his kingdom, but this is where we see the fiery furnace. If you know anything about the Bible, there's where they, sh- they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, and Jesus saves them personally. Uh, so, and, and the king has this revelation of who Jesus is. Uh, so that's where we find that in Daniel in the first few chapters. Uh, something interesting you need to know about Daniel, which uh, even I'm, I'm learning every day. So this is what I love about the Bible. We're always learning. Daniel chapters 1 through 7 is written in Aramaic. And so Aramaic in that time, if you live in America, it's like English. It's the common language that most of America understands, okay? Uh, now, there's other languages in, in America, of course, but the common language for America is English. Well, on that day in Babylon, Aramaic was a language that the most people are written or understand. So Daniel was written in Aramaic, uh, spoken in Aramaic through the first seven chapters, and then the next, uh, most of the way through seven, and then it starts in partly in seven, all the way through the end is written in Hebrew, uh, which is the language of the Jews. And so it's written primarily, the end of it is written to the Jews, and there's reason for that because the prophecies and things are given are for God's people. Uh, so it's interesting to me uh, that Daniel is writing the historical piece, all that God did, the miracles. He's letting the world know what God's done in the midst of captivity. Uh, and then he's letting the Jews know, hey, guys, uh, here's the kingdom plan. Here's what God's going to do. Uh, so just uh, it's kind of interesting piece of, of the puzzle that I didn't realize until I was studying this uh, here just a, a few weeks ago. But um, so anyway, so the first few chapters, Babylon comes in, takes him captivity. If you remember, King Nebuchadnezzar got wrapped up in pride. Uh, he's seen miracles. He's seen God answer, give him a dream, and Daniel interpreted that dream. He's seen God speak to him in many ways, uh, but, he, uh, but he refused to worship just God. They were plagued. Uh, Babylon was plagued with many false gods, uh, just like what we're, we see in our world right now, that people either don't believe God at all in our world, or they believe in a lot of other things, and that's Babylon. They had a lot of false gods. They had a lot of things that they worshiped other than God himself, uh, but when they saw God himself, uh, they would make quick moments, and they'd go back to uh, back to worshiping false idols again. Um, and so, uh, again, they're, they're, in, they're in captive to Babylon. So imagine being a Jew, and a Jew is living just like their everyday life in Jerusalem, and then everything changes one day. They become part of a nation that does not have the same values, faith, belief, anything, and now you have to live in that nation. 
and uh, you're forced to live and you're forced to worship and you're forced to do things that you're not, uh, that you don't know and you don't believe in, uh, that's kind of where the Jews are. And so they're, uh, they went from being their own nation, living in their own houses to now living under Babylonian rule. And that's where the book of Daniel, that's what it's all about. Uh, so Babylon got wrapped up in pride and, Bab- and King Nebuchadnezzar and pretty much you're going to see every kingdom after Babylon, this is the Achilles heel of all these nations. They, they make themselves a deity. They make themselves as like they're God themselves. And anytime that happens, you begin to see leadership change, <laughs> leadership change. So uh, again, I know we're looking back, but as Daniel's writing this, he's speaking about history that hasn't been written yet. So let's always remember that. We're looking back and we know that history's happened and we can research that, we can look it up. But when Daniel's writing it, how cool is that, that God is saying, hey, Daniel, I wanna tell you what's gonna happen in the world. Hey, Daniel, I'm gonna tell you some things that's gonna happen. And that's where we're, where we're at. So he, they were captive to Babylon. There was a vision and, and a dream that Babylon was the greatest nation, but eventually there would be a second nation, the Medes and the Persians, and they would come and take over Babylon, and then they would become the world power, and the Medes and Persians would rule for a while. In fact, the Persians were the stronger nation, uh, but they would rule in a dual monarchy for a while, and then a third nation would call, come called Greece, and then they would... T- conquer Medes and the Persians, and then it would be Greece ruling the world, and then finally they would be conquered, and it would be Rome that's ruling the world, and we know that uh, even when Jesus came to earth, he said, look, you're under bondage to Rome, and so it's interesting that God is saying all this to Daniel, and yet it hasn't happened yet, and he documents it, writes it all down, and today, even thousands of years later, we can look back and say, yes, everything God said happened exactly the way he said it. Now, he did it in crazy ways, and that's what we're going to talk about today, his second vision. Uh, he spoke to Daniel, uh, and uh, Daniel was, is actually writing chapter 8, but he's kind of reflecting back. So the first six chapters are kind of historical in nature, and they kind of go, uh, you know, for the most part, they, they kind of take you through a, a series of time, but it's kind of in order. But chapter 7 and 8, he reflects back to a time. Uh, after Nebuchadnezzar died, there's a king named Belshazzar that's ruling Babylon. And during his reign is where he's got these visions. So he tells you, uh, the last time we shared chapter 7 was the first year Belshazzar. Uh, the second vision came the third year. And he starts writing and documenting. So all that to say, this is where it came from. So he's looking back to stuff that he wrote down that God delivered to him years ago. And he's, he's letting you know, here's, here's the vision. Here's the vision, and here's, here's what God is saying. Uh, you know, and today, later in the message, I just want to encourage you. I think it's so amazing that we have a God that sees everything. We live in the here and now, and sometimes there's complicated moments in our life, and we begin to ask God, why? How many of you guys have ever had that moment? Why? Why is this happening? When is it going to stop? Why is America like this? Why does the evil seem like it's prospering? Look, uh, this isn't anything new. Daniel lived in these times. And remember, Daniel's living under captivity. We live in a great nation where we have a lot of freedom. And Daniel's living in captivity, being told what to do, how to live, all of those things. But yet, he still trusts and serves God. So I think it's pretty remarkable. But I also love that we have a God that cares about you and me. And he cares about Daniel. And in the midst of those crazy moments, God speaks to Daniel and he can speak to us. And he brings amazing revelation. He brings amazing understanding. Now look, I know Daniel didn't know it all, but he was just faithful to say, God, here's what you're showing me. And so this is kind of what we're going to read today, and this is a little bit of hard reading. Daniel's a, a very uh, difficult book to read. I remember reading this for the first time when I started reading the Bible, didn't understand a thing. I mean, it was very confusing, and maybe you're here today and you'll find it very confusing, but I'm going to make it very clear and very simple for you. Uh, Daniel chapter 8 talks about a vision of three, or basically two animals, 
And these animals also speak towards the prophecy or the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had many years ago. Again, you can catch up on that message if you, if you missed it. But it speaks about two animals, a ram and a male goat. A ram and a male goat. And so in this vision, God begins to show him with these animals. And it's, uh, although the vision describes animals, it's describing nations or kingdoms or people. And it's also describing the spiritual nature and what's happening in Daniel's life that he's living in, but he's, he's speaking it prophetically because it hasn't happened yet. And so here's what he says. Let's read about it. There's the vision of the ram and two horns. Let's read that first. You'll find us in verse 3 and 4 of chapter 8. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow us on the screen. Uh, but if you've got your Bibles, let's join in or your, your Bible apps, uh, whatever you want to do there. Verse 3 says this, then I lifted my eyes and saw, and there standing beside the river was a ram with who had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one horn was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, southward, so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver him from his hand. But he did according to his will, and he became great. So here is this vision that he's having, uh, and look, Daniel didn't understand it. And if God gave you a vision about a ram, and the ram had two horns. One was higher, but the second higher horn grew up later. And this ram was great and did whatever he will, and it became very great. Uh, look, I think in our flesh, we would try to figure these things out. Or maybe you'd look at life situations and say, oh, yeah, that's what the ram is. And then when the ram happens, it goes, oh, I was wrong. Uh, you know, God's, when God gives a vision, it's so much bigger than what we think and see. And so Daniel's given this vision, but he doesn't understand it. But I, I love this in verse 16. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to kind of give you a quick paraphrase. Somebody translates it for him, and this is remarkable. God sends an angel to translate the vision to him. His name is Gabriel. This is the very first time in the Bible that an angel's named. He sends him Gabriel, which if you know anything about the Bible, this is one of the greatest. It's the same angel, Gabriel, that showed up and told Mary, hey, you're having a baby. His name is Jesus. Same guy. I'm, I, I don't know about you, but I want Gabriel to show up at my house one time and interpret a vision and tell me some things. Anybody else like him to visit? I think it'd be great. I'd like to meet him before I go to heaven if I could. That'd be awesome. Uh, but, I mean, Gabriel comes, just shows up and says, hey, Daniel, I want to explain this to you. And he begins to tell him about this vision. So remember, it's a ram, two horns, one's higher, greater than the other. And so here's what the angel says. If you look at uh, verse 20 of the same chapter, the angel translates, here's what he says. The ram which you saw, having the two horns, they are the kings of the Media and Persia, or Medes and Persians. Now again, this correlates to something Daniel had already interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar. But he's getting more input. He's getting more understanding. Remember, he got this vision when Belshazzar was king. Belshazzar was the king of Babylon. So the Medes and the Persians weren't even, they weren't even a part of the puzzle yet. Babylon was still in charge. Babylon was still the great nation. They were still the kingdom. The Medes and the Persians weren't even a part of the picture yet. And he has this vision, the third year of Belshazzar. And Belshazzar has this moment. And if you remember it, there's this handwriting on the wall. You remember that? God wrote many, many tekel of person. Basically says, you're going down. You and this nation's going down. And the Medes are going to take over. And they did. That's what happened. And so in the third year of Belshazzar, he has this vision. He says, look, the Medes, this ram is going to come with force and take over. And he's going to have two horns. Why two horns? Why two horns? Medes, Persians, two nations, and they, they rule as a dual monarchy. So there's basically two nations in charge. 
Now, many of you will, will know that that can be difficult. If you have two heads, that can be very difficult. But that's basically the way they're ruling. It also made the, we, the nation weaker. So Babylon was a much greater and stronger nation. But because of pride, because of pride, God took out Belshazzar. He, he was slain one day. And the Medes begin to take over. And they take over. And they, from that point on, they're in control. So guess what happens to the Jews? They went from Jerusalem to Babylon and now they're part of the Medes. In fact, they, they go to like, uh, they take all the people that are captive, they take them to uh, basically the, the headquarters, the, the city of the Medes and the Persians. And now the Jews are just going nation to nation to nation. So Daniel would have been part of the whole thing. But imagine having the vision and seeing it before. Well, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I think it's so great that you have a God that not only sees everything, but says, hey, Danny, here's what's about to happen. And he was so faithful in delivering it in a way that he, could, uh, he couldn't understand, but then he was so graceful to say, hey, I'm going to send you Gabriel, my, my top aide. I'm going to send you, he's, he's sharp, and he's going to interpret it for you. And that's what happened. So the Medes and the Persians take over. They were the goat, had two horns, and the one horn was higher. It came later because that's what nation is that? The Persians. They were stronger than the Medes. They were the ones that actually took over. They were still two, two monarchies, that, dual monarchies that were leading, but it was the Persians that at the end, they came later and they kind of took over and they were in control. And they had this great, this great ram that's just taking over Jerusalem, Israel, Babylon. They're just taking over land in Asia Minor and different places. They're really just becoming a strong power. Not as strong as Babylon, but still a strong force to be recognized with. And, and that's what the vision says. The second one is of the male goat, the male goat. And here's what it describes in Daniel chapter 8, starting in verse 5 through 8. This is the vision given to Daniel. It said, and I was considering, suddenly a male goat came. He, he sees the ram, and now he sees a male goat. Come from the west, across the surface of the whole earth, without touching the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Then he came to the ram and had two horns, which I had seen standing beside the river, and ran at him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram. He was moved with rage against him, attacked the ram, broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled him. And there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Therefore, the male, gro male goat grew very great, but when he became strong, the large, the large horn had been broken. And in the place of it, four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. So Daniel describes this vision of, first of all, the ram and how strong and great the ram was. And then this male goat comes at some point and literally just crushes, crushes the ram. And this male goat has one notable horn, one notable horn until that horn is broken and then four spread out. So imagine Daniel going, I don't know what all this means, but I do know this. The goat beats up the ram, and he takes over whatever the ram's doing. He's, he's very powerful. He crushes the ram, literally. And so then the angel begins to interpret this form, verse 21. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is beaten, that is between its eyes, is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of the nation but not with its power. So Greece arose after the Medes and the Persians. 
And it was the first king that was the bighorn that came out of the, uh, that came out of the male goat's head. The first king, if you know anything about history, was who? Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great is one of the most well-known, probably kings and dictators and rulers, uh, probably the strongest world power that we've ever seen. You know, he, he did all this with 40,000 men. I mean, think about our military today. With 40,000 men, he took over the world. He literally trampled on, so Medes, Persians, greater horn, Persians, the, the male goat literally came in, and it, I love how Daniel describes it. His feet didn't even touch the ground. It was so fast and furious. He pounded that, that ram, and it was over. And then guess what? Jews went from Babylon, Medes and Pers, now to Greece. Now Greece is the world power. Uh, I don't know how much you know about Alexander the Great. I'm not a big history buff, uh, but I still know who Alexander the Great is. Of course, you learn about it in school and those kind of things, but... Um, you know, but he's, he's the first king of Greece. And, and I love that the way that this uh, book called Daniel, this is a kind of an everyday man's commentary. I don't know if you guys have ever read this, but I have these out there. If you'd like to like, know more about Daniel, you want to keep eating, you want to keep growing and understanding Daniel, there's a copy out there for you. Uh, eight bucks, you can buy it. If you can't afford it, just take one. Um, and if someone's got 16 bucks, you want to pay for that, guys, that's fine too, whatever you want. But, uh, but if you want to keep eating or you, you want to hear some more about Daniel, uh, I've got some copies out there for you. But let me read what, what this uh, uh, John Whitcomb, he writes about Alexander the Great. He's a great historian, by the way, and he writes this in, uh, in this book, and I put the marker on the wrong page. Here we go. He says this, after taking, uh, remember, this is, this is Alexander the Great, and by the way, he was only in power for 10 years, and 10 years. So imagine doing all this in 10 years. After taking all of Asia Minor, he crushed the army, army of Darius, who's the king of the Medes and the Persians, in northern Syria. The island fortress of Tyre fell after a remarkable seven-month siege, and in 332, he conquered Egypt without even a battle. Acclaimed as deity, many people thought he was gone, he founded Alexandria and moved to Mesopotamia, where he met Darius III again and defeated him. Babylon he defeated, Susa, Persopolis, uh, Ekbatana fell before him. By now, Darius III had been murdered, and Alexander pushed his armies into Bacteria and Sogdiana down through what is modern Afghanistan today to the borders of India. There, in his final great victory, he overcame the War of Elephants of King Porus and led his exhausted and discontented troops back to Susa. Truly, he was one of the greatest military leaders of all time. Now, I read that to you, but here's what I want you to understand. In 10 years, he conquered one and a half million square miles of land, all of Asia Minor to India. Now, in, in that day, that was the whole world. That's where everybody lived and dwelt. That was the whole world. One and a half square million square miles of land. Imagine cutting all that grass. <laughs> that is a lot of land. It's crazy how much land that is. In less than 10 years, he did all that. Now, as we just read in the scripture, as the angel said, uh, well, as he gave in the dream and Daniel, it said that, uh, therefore, the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong, the large horn was broken. One of Alexander's, like, uh, I'm sorry, one of Alexander the Great's biggest fault was he got wrapped up in pride as well. Isn't it interesting? Nebuchadnezzar fell because of pride. Belshazzar fell because of pride. Darius fell because of pride. Now King Alexander says, I'm God. And at age 32, probably riddled with wounds from all these battles, 
He had a drinking problem. He became so sick that he couldn't do anything but sit in a chair. And the way he communicated to his people was by looking, turning his head and shaking his head to them. That's all he could do. And he ended up passing away at 32. Why? Because of pride. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for us as believers as well, by the way. Pride is something the enemy has used time and time again and will continue. And look, as, as people, whether you believe God or not, our flesh automatically goes to pride. It's like a default. Pride is a part of every, everyone. We have to be careful. That's why Jesus said, the least are the greatest. If you want to be great, stay humble. God exalts the humble and throws down the pride. That's why our own Lord, Jesus Christ, came to the earth not to be served, but to serve. I'm so thankful that God gives us these principles. We've got to remember these things because pride is an ugly animal that can get inside of any, every one of us. And this is what happens as we make it all about us, all about our agendas and all about what we want. And we forget about what the great God, the Lord himself, wants to do through us. And Alexander the Great lost his life early. And so did Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar and all these kings because they got wrapped up into pride. That's the male goat. Now I want to share with you about uh, the little horn, but before I do, I forgot to share a story because Daniel talks about this. Uh, again, this is where the prophecy gets really dark and dim. Daniel, actually, after he heard this part of the prophecy, was distraught. It, it crushed him. Because what he saw next was, uh, was basically an abomination to the Lord. This was something that was so, not only terrible to God himself, but it was so terrible for the Jewish people. And it really perplexed him. How many of you guys have had those moments in your life where you're like, God, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand. God, why would, you do, why would you allow something like this to happen? Anybody? If not, you'll have one, trust me. Look, I, I know we don't get it all. The only thing I do know, and, and uh, if you don't know, you will now, it's because of sin. God never wanted us to see any of this. He never wanted us to experience what we're experiencing today. But because of sin, we've allowed the enemy to be part of our lives. And there's really, it's black and white. It's Christ or it's the enemy. Steal, kill, and destroy your abundant life. It doesn't mean that if we're following Christ and we have the abundant life that he promises that we won't see some things. We're going to. We're going to see some things. And we're, not, we're going to see things that we don't like, like shootings in Texas that we just saw. Look, evil's an ugly animal that doesn't care, especially for God's people. He doesn't really care about anybody except for his own motives, his own pride. Guess what? That's why he was thrown out of heaven, because of pride. And so, a lot of times we have these moments where we just don't get it, we don't understand. But I'm so thankful that in these moments, because Daniel would have had these moments too. I mean, he's living under different rules. Jerusalem's totally gone. Everything he knew, his family, his, his, his life, his house, everything that he had before is totally gone. I'm sure, I'm sure he had those moments like, God, what just happened? Why did it happen? Why are you showing me all this? You know, uh, uh, here's, a, here's a simple example. That by no means is it 
speak the magnitude of what Daniel shows in this vision. But um, first of all, thank you for praying for Jen and I while we were away. We really appreciate your support and your prayer and our family here. Uh, we, we missed you deeply while we were gone. You know, uh, we saw some of you while we were gone too, so that's always good. But um, yeah, while we were away, the first week, uh, many of you asked, you know, did you get rest? Did you get refreshed? Yes, yes, and no, right? So I, I purposely planned this week to be a work week for, or a working vacation for me because uh, I had some things that I needed to do around the house. One of them was I needed to replace all my decks. And so my dad was coming into town and I'm like, well, Dads love their son, so let's fix the deck. He's here. I got an extra body. So he helped me, and the first week, really just get ready. I have a lot of deck. I have this upper deck, and it's, it's pretty big, and this lower deck that overlooks my pool. And so, uh, and my house is about 20 years old, so it, it's at life. And so we were pulling them out, and of course, then when you get in there, you find that the posts are rotten. I had to re, you know, replace the posts. So it, it always creates more work, which is um, really a blessing, isn't it? Lord, why? Why, Lord, why? But anyway, so we're doing this, and, and uh, so my dad helped me, and we got the upper deck done, and he ripped off the lower deck for me. I said, and then, uh, then he says, look, I'm out of here. I need, I need a break. And I'm like, okay, I understand. Uh, no, his time was up, so, uh, but I was thankful for his help. But he left me the lower deck, and so I'm, I'm working on the lower deck after he leaves. So that, it took me a whole week to do the upper deck, and then I start just in uh, one day, I had a, a day before uh, I kind of went on vacation to do, or I had a day before we went on vacation the next week to do the lower deck. So I start working on it, and a lot of things are happening in the church, and, and they're can be like uh, people are sick, we've had a lot of people in the hospital. Uh, by the way, it always happens in August, so, uh, so I'm sorry, we go away. Seems like everyone's in the hospital in August, especially the Oaks. Every August, I know I'm visiting the Oaks in the hospital, but God does this miracle every time, every August for the Oaks, so it's pretty cool. But John, uh, John Oaks, he's one of our elders here. He had a um, open heart surgery, and so he's having uh, some chest pain, and thankfully he got to the doctors, and that's not John's nature, by the way, so you got to know that was a miracle in itself. He said, look, I need to go to the doctors. So he went and had to do open heart surgery, and praise God, he's doing well. In fact, he's home. He got home yesterday, and so God's good. And so we're going to go take communion to him after service. If anyone wants to go, you're more than welcome. But um, anyway, uh, that day he went to the hospital. It was actually the next day. He went to the hospital the next day. So I'm working on the lower deck. And while I'm working on it, I trip over the joists. You know, because when you take the deck out, all the joists are there. I trip over the joists. I'm painting the deck. I trip over the joists. And foolish man as I am, like all of you other men, it's a brand new paint sprayer. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't break the sprayer. So I throw it to safety, and I, my face bashes right off the joist. And so uh, foolish, don't do that. Break the sprayer next time. But uh, So anyway, I, my face is all busted up. I'm, I, I fall, I help, and I'm, I, I like take my head up, and there's blood everywhere. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know what my face looks like. So I just put my, my shirt up and catch all the blood and I yell for help and Jen comes running out. What happened, what happened, what happened? I'm like, I fell and I hit my face off the joist. And so uh, anyway, just a long story short, uh, I'm gonna go see John that day. That was my whole plan. I just was trying to get some, and I was gonna go see John in the afternoon and then I fall and I'm like, well, I wanna go see John anyway. So I'm just gonna go, uh, you know, Jen looked at my face. She goes, oh, you need stitches. You gotta go you better go get a scan because I thought my nose was broken. She said, you better go get your face scanned. And I'm like, okay, so I'm just going to go, go to the MedExpress or whatever the quickest thing is. Uh, and I'm having these moments, God, why did that just happen? This is just crazy. And uh, so anyway, I, I'm on my way to MedExpress and Jen's calling and says, look, they don't do stitches there. They don't do stitches there. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to go visit John all bloodied and beaten and tattered and go 
pray for him and just at the same time praying for myself, uh, but just pray for him. And, and I'm so thankful that God recovered him very quickly. Uh, so then afterwards, then I took myself uh, to the Med Express in Beaver and said, hey, uh, I need some stitches, I think. And they said, well, we can't do that here. You've got to go to the ER. So I check in at the same hospital John's in, in the ER. Isn't that, isn't that ironic? And so anyway, that was my adventure and my, one of my why God moments. Like, why is all this happening right now? But uh, again, it feels very far in comparison. But I think we all have those moments. We all trip and fall and have mistakes and do things. But uh, I'm so thankful that God knows what we're going through in every moment and every season and every time. Even though we don't understand it, uh, I want to read this prophecy to you and here it'll make a lot more sense. Daniel uh, has a prophecy of, remember the ram, the goat, and the goat after the main horn is broken after Alexander passes, uh, four more horns come out, which, are, uh, which historically is accurate. If, you've, if you ever look back at history, Greece was broken into four kingdoms. So one and a half square miles of land is broken up into four different kingdoms. And out of one of those four horns uh, rises a, a great power out of one of those. And that's the little horn. That's the little horn that uh, Daniel sees. So let's read about that. Daniel chapter 8, uh, verse 9. It says, one of these growing slowly at first soon became very strong, and listen to this, attacked the south and the east and warred against the land of Israel. He fought against the people of God and defeated some of their leaders. He even challenged the commander of the army. Who's the commander? I'm sorry, the commander of the army, let me read it all, of heaven. Who's the commander of army of heaven? God himself. Here's pride at its fullest. Here's a man on the earth challenging God himself. He even challenged the commander of the army of heaven by canceling the daily sacrifices offered to him and by defiling his temple. But the army of heaven was restrained from destroying him from this transgression. As a result, truth and righteousness perished and evil triumphed and and prospered. Then I heard two of the holy angels talking to each other. One of them said, how long will it be until the daily sacrifice is restored again? How long until the destruction of the temple is, is avenged and God's people triumph? The other replied, 2,300 days must go by first. 2,300 days. Now, I don't know about you, but Daniel has this vision. And the vision showed righteous, righteousness and truth diminishing and evil prospering. He's seen, literally, God's leaders, this, the priests and the leaders and the, and the best of the leaders of the kingdom being killed and destroyed. He's seen the sacrifices taken away, the Sabbath taken away. Listen, every value that a Jew had was being ripped apart. The very temple where they would go worship the most holy God is, being, uh, is, is an abomination. They're doing things in there they shouldn't be. They're taking uh, the items that, that are meant for God for sacrifice and for offering and for worship and they're taking them and they're removing them and they're desecrating them. Really for, uh, for us as followers of God, it's, it's taking everything that we are in our faith and putting it on our feet and stomping on it, spitting on it and not even caring and then destroying the leaders that are gonna keep this thing together, literally killing all of our, the main leaders of the Jews and eradicating them from the earth. That's what this king's doing. Now, it sounds like end times. This sounds like this is the Antichrist, but it's not the Antichrist. In fact, we'll talk about that next week when we talk about the week, the 72-week prophecy, but this is actually talking about a leader that we don't hear much about that lived. Now, there's, uh, if you know anything about the Bible, it ends with Malachi, 
as far as time and history, and there's 400 silent years till Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that life didn't happen. It doesn't mean that there's not history. It doesn't mean that there isn't great, amazing miracles and things that happened, because it did. But we don't see, you know, we don't have anything in our scriptures. Now, there are some historical documents. There's some great things that have been written. In fact, it's, it's the book of Maccabees. I don't know if you've ever read that. It's not in our Bibles. It's not part of the canon. It's not part of the scriptures. Uh, now, in the Catholic Church, they have the Apocrypha. That's where, that's where these books fall. That's where you find the first and second book of Maccabees. But Maccabees are, are great leaders that actually restored what was destroyed. And they write about this in the book, so you can read about that later, or you can uh, pick up this book and read about it as well. Uh, but the king, or the person in charge, is called Antichius IV, and he lived about 160 years before Christ. Again, it's in that 400-year gap between uh, when Jesus came and when Malachi ended, and this is the season. This is what Daniel's seen, and God says, look, I'm, I'm showing you this, but it's not going to happen today. You just need to hold it. You need to keep it to yourself. And so here's what the angel, here's how he interpreted it. Let me just read what he said, because he does a much better job than me. 8.23 and 26, he said, toward the end of their kingdoms, that, talking about Greece, all right, toward the end of Babylon, Medes and Persians, and Greece, towards the end of their kingdoms, when they have become morally rotten and angry, kings shall arise to power with great shrewdness and intelligence. His power shall be mighty, but it will be with satanic strength and not his own. Prospering wherever he turns, he will destroy all those who oppose him, through their armies, uh, though their armies may be mighty and he will devastate God's people, he will be a master of deception, defeating many by catching them off guard as they, as they bask in false security. Without warning, he'll destroy them. So great will he fancy himself to be that he will even take on the prince of peace or the prince of princes in battle. But in so doing, he'll seal his own doom. For he will be broken by the hand of God, though no human means could overpower him. And then in your vision, you heard about 2,300 days to pass before the nights of worship are restored. The number is literal and means just that. But none of these things will happen for a long time, so don't tell anyone about them yet. <laughs> Imagine being Daniel and seeing that. Now, it may be a long time off, but the very fact of seeing your family, Jews, literally God's people being destroyed, the temple being destroyed, the, the very God that you worship being, being defamed and, and deception and all these things happening, it rocked him to the core. Not only about you, but this would have been a why God moment. God, why? Why would you allow this to happen? Why 2,300 days of this nonsense? Why not just wipe them off the map early? Church, this is a true historical event that happened. You can read about Antichius IV. You can pick up some historical about You can see. And the Maccabees restored worship again. They brought back worship. They brought back sacrifices again. And you know what? Thank God, very shortly after that, Jesus came. Just think about it. Righteousness and truth had been really just ripped out of the Grecian culture at that time. And evil and satanic practices, and false god worship, everything had been implemented, and all of God, the law itself, the principles, all of it had been ripped out of the Grecian culture. Jesus came at a beautiful time. He came at the perfect time. But this was the vision that Daniel had. And they said, hey, keep this one right here. I don't know. That had been so hard. You know, I thought about this message, and, I'm, and I thought about how do we... What do we do with that? What, how does this apply to me? 
And one thing that I get that's just overwhelming is how great of a God that we have that he said, look, this is going to happen. You know, we sit here in America today and we say, God, why? Why are these things happening? It seems like there's so much evil all around. There seems like the enemy is doing so much. But can I tell you, Jesus said, look, it'll end. Look, we don't know the day or the hour or the time, as Daniel didn't know when. He just knew it was coming. But here's what I do know is that we have a great God that says, look, these things will happen. I'll allow it to happen for a short time, but then I'm going to end it. Enemy will go away forever. The devil himself will be locked up for all eternity. And all of his clones, the angels that have fallen, and all of those that won't bow their knee to Christ, they'll be with him. But I think about this, and the one thing that amazes me is that God cared about Daniel. God cared about the Jews. God cares about you. That the God of the universe stopped for a second and said, Daniel, I want to show you something. I want to tell you something. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're going through something in life. You have a God that cares about you, that knows your name. He's not overlooking you. He hasn't forgotten about you. Sometimes that's, that's the way we feel, but it's not the truth of who he is. He knows everything about everything, and he loves you deeply. And maybe you're here today and you're at wit's end. You don't know what to do. I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. At the same time, I want you to know that God cares. And I believe God has a word for you. Now, he's not telling prophecy about the end times or the kingdom that's coming or heaven anymore. But you know what? He can speak about your situation. He could tell you what's happening in your life. He could tell you about your job and your marriage and your kids. Absolutely, he can prophesy those things to you. Look, there's many times when we need corrected. There's many times when we're in the wrong and we have a God that loves us and cares about us to say, hey, my son or my daughter, please don't do that anymore. You know, that was one of Jesus' main slogans or teachings, right? Here's your healing. Here's your miracle, but go and sin no more. Look, he loves you. He wants to bless you. And I believe if you're in a, in a state of chaos or a state of I don't know or I don't get it or God, why? I believe he has a word for you. And I just want to encourage you to open your ears, open your heart, open your eyes. Maybe it'll be a crazy dream like this. But here's what I do know is God will personally speak to you and explain it to you. Hey, maybe Gabriel will come and show up in your room tonight and help you understand. I will certainly be jealous of you if that happens. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'd be very happy for you. But I just want to encourage you to pray. I want to encourage you to stand. Look, prayer isn't some weird thing that you can't understand or do. All of us can pray. We just sang in that song, and we'll end today. You know, that incense that he's talking about, look, that's the praise. That's the worship. That's your prayers. That's your cares. That's all of that going up to God. That's what incense was always symbolic of. And so, look, come and pray. If you've got something amazing, miraculous happening, please let us know because that encourages us to keep going and encourages us of a great God that we have. And I want you to know there's many miracles happen all through this church. I want you to know that we have a God that cares about every single person all in this world, but especially you in this room today. He hasn't forgotten about you and he knows where you are. And so today I'm gonna have some altar workers come up and they just wanna stand and pray with you. They wanna believe God's best and look, 
we're always open to what the Holy Spirit's doing. He may give us a word to you that may be the word that you need. I promise you this. I don't know what's going on in your life, and they don't either, but God does. And we're just being faithful to deliver what he gives you, what he gives us. And so we'd be happy to do that. So if you want prayer, don't be afraid of prayer. It's the most powerful weapon we have on, our, on, on earth. This is how we're going to defeat and win the enemy. It's by prayer and putting on the word of God in every aspect, in every way, standing on his principles. Look, the enemy's trying to rip it away, take away the values and the principles of God's word, but that is your weapon. That's your artillery. That's how we fight. And so I just want to encourage you, look, come and pray if you need prayer. If you're in a chaos moment, in a hard moment, a God-why moment, not only is it a good time to get around the table, but it's a good time to get people of God that love you and want to pray with you. So stand to your feet. We're going to worship. I want to pray for you. And you can come up at any time for prayer. You can come up now. You can come up during worship. You can come up after service. We'll stay as long as you need. Lord, we love you. Jesus, thank you for speaking. We read Daniel, and it gives us so much hope that Daniel lived in a world of chaos, a world of mess, a world of evil. But yet you still spoke, and you still gave victory. You still gave hope. And, Lord, that's our prayer for every person here this morning. Lord, if there's somebody that needs to give their life to you, Holy Spirit, speak to them. Show them. Look, I can't save them, but you can. And it's a beautiful moment of surrender. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me my sins, but I want to follow you from today on forward. I know I won't be perfect, but I will look to you in every way. I'm committing myself to you, a life following Jesus for the rest of my days. So if that's you, look, commit to God today. Make that your prayer. Make that, you have to do it yourself. You have to speak it out of your own mouth, your own heart. And if you're in that moment of chaos, we're here to pray for you. We're here to stand. Here's what I love. God always wins. And you will too. We're victorious through Christ and in Christ, not in ourselves. And so if you need prayer, we're here to pray for you. We love you. God bless you. In Jesus' name, we believe all these things.